There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of thesaintsnation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Bing! Take that to the bank. L-B. Those are the only letters that matter because the Saints are hemorrhaging linebackers. Kevin's going to get his horse time. Now here's your host, Ralph Malfro. The Chronic Podcast, as always, is sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court. They have 136 draft beers. Uh, LSU baseball has started. Go there, drink, be happy. The Pelican House. Support them because they support us. All right, Kevin can't join us because he is out. He's that and he's doing wrestling stuff, which which means he's power bombing and uh, toddlers are sitting around the ring clapping. Um, The Saints... As they are wont to do, Andrew, they break news minutes after this podcast gets posted. They announce they cut Roman Harper, they cut Greer, they cut Will Smith, and they cut Jonathan Vilma. So, well, actually, that's technically incorrect. They did not cut Jonathan Vilma. Right. He was a free agent. They he just was a free announced agent. that they were not going to resign him. But they, they just made a big hoopla about telling Vilma that he sucks and that they don't want him back. <laughs> you have the knees of an 80-year-old man and we're done with you. <laughs> um, let's start, Andrew, you know, the, the media and people, they, the Saints, I thought they did a nice classy thing with the press release, but I thought the media was a little bit overblown about the effects of the defense. I mean, the Saints, Roman Harper missed eight games. Will Smith missed the whole year. Greer missed half the year with injury. I don't think the effects of this are terrible as far as if you had to cut a bunch of guys to make cap room. You could be in a lot worse situation. I mean, imagine if Will Smith had played and had 12 sacks and the Saints would have had to cut him. Then you'd say, oh, my God, how are we going to replace these 12 sacks? But as far as the situation where you got to create a ton of cap room, it's not that painful of a situ- of a scenario I don't feel like, Andrew. Do you disagree? No, I, I agree, and uh, you know I was fortunate enough to uh, to be on, do a couple of radio spots this week. One for spots Fox Sports in Baton Rouge, and one for ESPN in Northern Louisiana. And they, they kind of asked me the same questions. And uh, you know, I, if if you give the same answer enough times, you start to think about all the different layers of it. Anyway, I, I kind of reached the conclusion that you know, in thinking about this, they've really already replaced three of these four guys. In effect, I mean, if you look at Will Smith with Junior Gallette, with Cam Jordan, with Akeem Hicks, they've already got kind of the run stoppers. They've already got the the sacks uh, that have replaced him. If you look at Vilma, they've kind of got two faster versions of Vilma that tackle well, that are that are that find the football in in Lofton and Hawthorne. Um, and then if you look at Harper, I mean, Vaccaro was drafted in the first round as his heir apparent, I think. So. Um, the only guy that I really think is even at this point, I mean, you look at a defense that was top five in the NFL, the only guy that I sense kind of needs to be replaced or, or they need to fill um, is that second starting corner. Um, I mean, obviously, Keenan Lewis is awesome. He's he's the number one guy. But I don't really feel like there's a number two corner on this roster and losing Jabari Greer. Um, certainly signifies that. So that's kind of the one thing where going into this offseason, you know, of, of these four announcements, what's the one that really needs to something needs to happen in order to replace that void? I think it's replacing Jabari Greer. But uh, the already the other three, it's already happened. And uh, Dave, how did you feel about the I feel like the the, the thing that, that's glaring we'll get to Greer and I'll get to Greer in a little bit, but with Roman Harper, yeah, he missed eight games, but with Malcolm Jenkins being a free agent and Roman Harper leaving, and you combine that with Rob Ryan's love of playing as many safeties as possible, to me, that's where I sort of 
get even more concerned, even more than Andrew. Do you agree with Andrew that it's corner or is it safety that these moves sort of put the spotlight on? Um, I think they, I think it puts the spotlight on corner. I mean, you, you, you don't have Greer now. Um, all you have is Keenan Lewis. We could go back and forth regarding Patrick Robinson about whether he's adequate enough to be. Oh, a number I don't, two I don't guy. think there's much. I don't think there's much back and forth on that guy. <laughs> there, there, there are a few people out there who who think that he. How could I, anyone think he doesn't I, suck? Look, hey, Andrew, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I, I agree with you. <laughs> a bust. I mean, I, that, was I mean, opinion, that was the opinion before he wrecked his knee. I mean, just no. I mean, just uh, just yesterday, I think I was talking with somebody on Canal Street Chronicles, and you know, they're saying, "Oh, you know, he's in his fourth year. He'll, you know, this is the year he'll learn, and hopefully, Rob Ryan will turn it around." And blah blah blah. They they've never. And then he says that, and then in the next sentence, he says, you know, the Saints have never been able to develop young cornerback talent. Well, okay, so if they've never been able to develop young cornerback talent, why do you think it's all of a sudden going to happen this year (laughs) and with Patrick Robinson? Like, that's what I don't understand. I I mean, people think that Rob Ryan is a miracle worker, and I don't think that it necessarily works that way. I think Rob Ryan more finds people that work in his system or or he just allows – players to you know to to do what they're most comfortable doing but i mean obviously of course we all hope that patrick robinson for some reason um all of a sudden finds himself this season. i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out there and tell me if you guys agree and and i'm certainly not saying that rod sweeting is going to amount to anything i don't know but at this point i would say there's a greater chance that rod sweeting turns into something <laughs> than patrick robinson i would agree because, yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's definitely possible. They have a lot of young guys at cornerback that if one of them could step up, that would be great. But I still think that it's it's a, a need, a high need. I don't know if it's the number one need for the Saints, but it's a need. And they either need to address it um, in free agency or or through the draft. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the Saints, I mean, it, I guess, Andrew, is are they going to still play this sort of defense that Rob Ryan I don't I wouldn't say created it from scratch but it wasn't a 3-4 it was sort of this weird let's play five safeties let's play six defensive backs and let's only have two linebackers on the field sometimes it was this bizarre sort of defense are they going to keep playing that or are they going to try to go to a traditional 3-4 and how does that what they decide to do how does that affect the draft you think? I mean, I, the, well, the answer is, I don't know. I mean, I think Rob Ryan has proven very unpredictable based on how the first year went, but I think in the grand scheme of things, the longer he stays with the team, uh, the more he'll want his scheme to take shape. I mean, he, yeah. he strikes me as the type of coach that, um, is going to put the best players on the field, regardless of the position they play. And I think he, he's one of those guys, unlike Spagnola, who I think, uh, ha- has a good scheme with the right personnel. He showed that in New York, but um, with the Saints, it was very much a square peg in a round hole. He did not have the guys to execute what he needed. Um, Rob Ryan's just like, look, man, I- I'm just going to put the guys that I feel like, and-, and I'll work around them. I will try to find their talents, and I will try to put them in a position to succeed. Um, and that's why you saw the defense really excel on the field this year. Uh, but I think... I think in an ideal world, he's able to do that and fit them within a certain scheme that he likes. Um, so I think, you know, if he was able to ad hoc, do less ad hoc and more just have a, a decisive plan, um, that would be ideal for him. So, you know, as time goes on and he he's able to draft the guys that fit what he's looking for, um, he'll be able to do that a little bit more. But uh, right now it's just year two, so I don't think he's going to be able to transform that defense overnight and know exactly what he wants. So I think there'll be a little bit of mixed matching, but I don't view Vaccaro as going to strong safety and, and staying in one fixed position. I think the big part of the reason they drafted him is they loved his ability to cover in the slot. Um, they loved how he was an answer for that uh, hybrid tight end, the Tony yeah. Gonzalez. He, he loved that he was able to put Vaccaro in coverage on those guys in passing situations because he felt like he was the hybrid defend, defender, the answer to um, these offenses that are being so prolific by finding these big receivers that can run. So, 
Um, I think that's still going to be his role is still going to kind of be the Swiss Army knife of the defense. If, could the, Andrew? Obviously, you're 100 percent right on Vaccaro being a Swiss Swiss Army knife. If they picked another guy, say they say there's a guy in the draft, it's Pryor or another that's identical to Vaccaro. Can they pick him and say, you know what, we can. Another Vaccaro, that's just fine. Whereas, like, another position where you can't say, I need another – obviously, they wouldn't draft a quarterback high because that would be a duplicate position or or guard because they have two of them. But if they had a chance to pick another safety in the first round that was identical to what Vaccaro did, would they just pick him and say, you know what, another Vaccaro, that'll be just fine? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would love a corner that maybe has a little bit better ball skills than Vaccaro because I think it would complement him a little bit more. Um, and so you mentioned Pryor. I mean, he, he's a nice ball hawking safety that has some similarities and skills to Vaccaro. So um, so I'd like to see a guy that can maybe make the play on the ball a little bit more. But, um, but look, having one guy that can drop deep in coverage or cover the slot. I mean, that has the versatility to do both and stop the run. And, you know, I mean that look, I mean, you can't have enough guys on your team on the back end that can both cover tackle and play the run. So, um, I mean, if you've got another guy back there that can do that, absolutely. I mean, you look at the 49ers or Carolina this past year, why are Seattle, why have those defenses been so successful? Because they've had two safeties that do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, before we get uh, to and put the cuts behind us, Dave, I want to talk about the legacy of Roman Harper, Jabari Greer, Will Smith, and Jonathan Vilma. Um, I feel like <laughs> Will Smith never really lived up to the contract that they gave him. I mean, they gave him, I think it was six years, seventy million, and he was only elite one of those years. Um, my personal opinion is, is over time. Fans will feel better about Roman Harper and sort of have a warm feeling. But the guy that I feel is missed, is so underrated, is Jabari Greer. His 2009 was every bit as good as Darren Sharper, who, Lord, we'll get to him in a second. But his 2009 was every bit as good as Sharper, and he was good the whole way through. Sharper sort of faded the second half of the year because his knees started to give out. But I feel like Greer, his 2009 is one of those lost years where people don't realize how good it was. But of these guys, which one will you remember the most fondly and which one do you think fans will remember the most fondly? I mean, well, technically Vilma wasn't cut, but I think Vilma will be remembered fondly of those four um, simply because of his leadership role on the defense. Um and he's been outspoken for sure. Um, but uh, I, I agree with you on Jabari Greer. I think he's probably a little bit underrated as far as Saints fans are concerned. Um, we weren't really talking much about Jabari Greer in 2009. And I think that was really because he was just getting it done and doing his job. Um, and obviously, 2009 was the year of Tracy Porter, considering his interception in the NFC Championship game and, of course, the Super Bowl. So Greer sort of gets overshadowed there. Um, but, uh, and I, I, I agree with you on all fronts because I do think Roman Harper, obviously now presently, everybody's like, Psh, whatever, good, good riddance Harper. Um, but over time, I think though, I think people will start to say, yeah, that Roman Harper, he really could, you know, uh, get to the quarterback or he really could blitz, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, but of course we'll always remember, um, San Francisco and, and, and tight end coverage. And um, uh, Will Smith, again, I agree with you. I have never really been a huge Will Smith fan. I've never understood how he was able to get paid so much. I always felt like he must have had nude pictures of Mickey Loomis's ex-wife or something like <laughs> no, that. No, he just he, – I mean he, he, he just absolutely – with the exception of maybe one season, uh, he, he he was never worth anything that he was uh, being paid, and I, I never understood how. And it's 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 just it's it blows my mind really when you think about how cheap 
the Saints can be when it comes to the offensive line uh, and how blasé they are about letting offensive tackles walk. But no, we're going to pay Will Smith $70 million. For and they pay Charles Grant $65 million. Don't forget what they pay Charles Grant. I know. And, and the two of them were on the team at the same time getting paid that those, those I, I think it was just because they were just so poor on defense and they felt like those were the two best guys. And they said, well, you know, we're, we may be bad with these guys, but we'd be really bad without them. So we better take care of them. Um, when obviously I think all along it was that, that, that was not really the right move. And it was more about uh, philosophy and scheme than it was about, um, you know, just having the right players. seems like the saints have sort of figured all that out. So, but anyway, that that's where I think yeah. those four legacies stand. And I mean, the, the feeling was with the Saints, I mean, Will Smith had seven and a half, eight and a half, ten and a half, and seven sacks his first four years. So he was coming up for that contract, and the Saints, I mean, defensive ends, if the Saints wouldn't have paid Will Smith, somebody would have paid him. Um, but, Andrew, before I get your opinion on, on which player is going to have the biggest legacy, I want to make this footnote in history, and it, this just proves that as good as front offices can be at drafting and picking players, you need a little bit of luck. The record sh- should show Jabari Greer wasn't the Saints' first choice in 09. They wanted a guy named R- Rob Barnett Ron. from the Rams. Mm-hmm. No, Ron Bartell. Bar- Bartell. Yeah, Bartell. They went all out to get him, and he told the Saints, nope. And he stayed with St. Louis, and the Saints went down their list. And got Jabari Greer. Jabari Greer worked out awesome. Yep. And Ron and, Bartel's probably never played on a winning football team ever. Well, not he, only he that, he, got in, he started getting injured. Yeah, he kept getting injured. Man. And so, I mean, that just goes to show you, you need a little bit of luck in these things. But, Andrew, of the, the four guys that are leaving, which one do you th- will you remember most fondly? And which one do you think Saints fans will remember most fondly? Uh, I mean, I definitely think Vilma. I mean, you think on the field, um, he was the captain. He was the leading tackler. He was a pro bowler. I mean, he, he was a dominant linebacker. I think you know, we look at what Lofton does now, and I think a lot of people feel like he's a very good player. Um, I thought Vilma in his prime was better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, he could run sideline to sideline. He could tackle. He was smart. Um, I mean, Vilma was just everything you would want in a middle linebacker. Um, you know, so on the field, I mean, I, I remember the Super Bowl just, uh, you know, obviously Peyton Manning with his Omaha's and all his audibles. Um, Vilma just had a check down for everything Peyton Manning threw at him. Um, and I remember there was a goal line stand at one point where, uh, he, you know, Manning would go into his cadence, he would call an audible and Vilma would immediately call an audible and the whole defense would shift. And, um, j- just the, the chess match between those two. Uh, if you go back and watch the game, yeah. is really impressive. And obviously, Vilma did his homework in the preparation before that game. So that's the on-the-field stuff. But the off-the-field stuff, I mean, with Bountygate, um, I know he, he's kind of the poster child of, of that whole thing. He Not um, only that, Andrew, he was the guy – he was the one guy because Sean Payton, he couldn't fight back. Right. Loomis could – Vilma was the one guy who was like, this is bullshit. And yep. I am fighting to the death. And, and, you know, it's, it's too bad that his knee issue kind of kept him from playing yeah. because otherwise he would have been on the field the whole time. And and but, you know, he, he did have that pick six against Cam Newton in week 17. And I thought that was a really special moment at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just felt like Vilma stood up to uh, to Goodell. And in, in, in some ways he won. I mean, the Saints as a whole, they lost on that whole bounty gate situation. They lost big. Uh, but. Vilma was the one that stood up to him, and and in the end, I did feel like if there was any saving grace with that situation, um, it was how Vilma, in the end, kind of won his personal case against Goodell. So, um, yeah, I think that whole thing um, kind of um, was a special moment, and I think it just uh, put a nice finishing touch on his career that, um, you know, he was never going to let anybody stand in his way and he was going to find a way to win. And he, that's, that was kind of a microcosm of, uh, of the 2009 season as well. Dave, of those four guys, uh, which one's getting the Saints Hall of Fame? Uh, I don't know if any of them are, but if any of them are, 
Uh, I guess it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be Vilma over Smith. I'm yeah. I'm. I, I'm gonna, I mean, I, Vilma. Vilma is the best non-dome patrol linebacker in Saints history. Wouldn't you agree? I have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I, I'm not really. There's, there's nobody in the '70s that really sticks out, and there's nobody. I mean, that's, before. that's the thing. You can think of a bunch of safeties that are were better than Harper. You can think of corners that were better than Greer. You can think of defensive ends that were better than Will Smith in Saints history. But besides the Dome Patrol, I mean, Vilma is that next guy. Yeah, I, I, I would say, I would say Vilma will definitely get in, and I think Will Smith. Will Smith just longevity. Will Smith and Roman Harper on longevity. I don't think Greer would get in, but I think I I would say Vilma for sure and Will Smith possibly Roman Harper possibly. I still think I still think with Harper his legacy is a negative one. I, I yeah. feel like Saints fans remember his yeah. liability and coverage and as good as he was blitzing at times and as good as he's been against the run and you know, we remember all those big, heavy hits. Um, and I like Roman Harper. I mean, I thought he was a great guy in the community. I thought he was a, a good leader. He, you know, he always was a classy guy. But um, his legacy is he just he was a safety that couldn't cover. And there, and it wasn't just the San Francisco game. I mean, how many times have we seen him get beat? Um, and unfortunately, I mean, I, I think he, he kind of wore out his welcome, per, perhaps, with the Saints. But he, he, he was able to last. But... Um, I do think that liability is something that was clear uh, to all the fans. And I think when you ask any fan about Roman Harper, uh, they'd have a lot of positive things to say, but they would always say, man, that guy couldn't cover a lick. Yeah. You know what the interesting thing about Roman Harper was? He was one of those guys where uh, draft experts like Mel Kuyper had him pegged exactly. They're like, he doesn't have much upside. But he's a good, strong safety. He's good going towards the line. But he's kind of a finished product, and there's not much upside. And he pretty much was exactly what people said he was for eight years. Yeah, I mean, he came he came in in year one and was the same as he was going out. You know, and I mean, yeah. and that's and that's not a criticism. I mean, if you draft a guy and you say he's going to be this, and he delivers what you think he can deliver, and he just for delivers eight that. Years. Yeah. I mean, second round picks, you got eight years out of him. I mean. I thought they went a little nuts when they paid him uh, seven and a half million dollars in 2011 for four years. I thought they w- that was one bad contract that Loomis gave out, but not you know. Besides that, um, all right, let's get to the off season stuff of Dave. We're we, we're doing position every week, so this week it's offensive tackle. So, Dave, how do you feel with what the Saints have at offensive tackle with uh, Armstead? And let's ass- let's assume they bring back Zach Streve. Are you comfortable with those two going into 2014, or do you want them to pick a tackle high in the draft? I mean, I'm comfortable with them. I'm certainly comfortable with them. I think they're adequate. I think they can be middle of the road. Um, do I think they're going to be the best offensive tackle pair in the league? Absolutely not. Um <laughs> So, and honestly, I hope, I really hope they can find a way to re-sign Zach Streif because I think that's important. Um, and assuming Teron Armstead, yeah, and and assuming Teron Armstead doesn't, you know, somehow regress uh, this off season, um, he ought to be fine at, at at the left spot. So, you know, I mean, the two of them that would be fine. I, the thing about tackle is, I'm not sure that even if you draft a guy in the first round. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you're guaranteed to get somebody who's going to be able to help out immediately. I mean, Charles Brown was what a second round guy. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's been a disappointment. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to sign one or two veteran guys like they did last year, like Jason Smith. Um, Oh, I forgot about Jason Smith. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, they should have you known know, a college I, I, player would never work out. <laughs> I mean, but that would that'll be purely for depth purposes. I mean, obviously, again, assuming they re-sign Zach Streif, I think your two starting tackles are obviously Teron Armstead and Zach Streif. So I'm I'm comfortable with those two. But that's a big if because they still need to sign Streif. 
All right, now this is where the, the podcast is going to get contentious. Because me and Andrew are going to argue over Zach Streep's free agent value. Andrew, <laughs> I don't think he's getting more than a two-year deal for $3.5 million a year. Oh, wow, that's low. That's his, but he's thir- he's over 30. He's injury prone. Um, Wasn't he just making $3 million a year? No, he's making, he's making like, I want to say he was making like, Less than two. Like the Saints signed him up for like in in 2011. I want to say they signed him up for like uh, three years, like less than six million. Okay. So I mean, I just feel like he's a right tackle and he's injury prone. I I think we as Saints fans sort of value him more than the rest of the league is when they just are more objective about it, but you, me and you went back and forth. And forth. I think you disagree a little bit with me on his, on his, what he's going to get in free agency. I do. Yeah. I mean, I think he is 30. Um, he has had some injury plague seasons, but he played 16 game or did he miss a game this year? He no, did. I think he missed he, what he played 15 games. Yeah. Okay. So, he, you know, he, he was pretty durable this year. Um, but I, I just think he, he, he's established himself as an excellent pass blocker and he's not, the most fleet of foot. He's not the most dominant run blocker because he just doesn't have the the speed. But um, he's gotten his strength to a level from working hard. I remember when he was first drafted, strength was kind of the issue, and you know, he spent a lot of time in the weight room with John Stinchcomb and um, worked hard. and And he's become an excellent pass blocker, and he's kind of got that size um, that you know he can yeah. get his hands on those speed rushers and and kind of st- install them. So, you know, I, I think. I absolutely want him back. I mean, I, I think it, the question is the price, uh, but um, but no, I, I do think he's going to command a little bit. I mean, if you look at how he's graded out, how he's respected throughout the league, I mean, a right tackle is never going to command the kind of money a left tackle so you will. Think, will he get, you you think he'll get between four and five million a, a year? No, I don't. I don't think he'll get that much. But I think in a three and a half million, absolutely. I mean, I, I could see. You know, like you said, he's thirty, so. I wouldn't be surprised if someone offered him like three years, nine and a half million. That wouldn't surprise me at all. That's that's that's, that's I don't. That's pretty high. I mean, I I think that's on the high end. But the thing is, you you, you have these teams with a ton of cap room, and they have right. to and they have to spend it. So I think oh, you're also not thinking about how many offensive lines are just god awful, okay, and they're desperate for a decent tackle. All right, here's a fun. Here's a fun. Here's a fun. Uh, what if Dave, you're Zach Streif. The Saints are offering you two years, four and a half million. The Raiders are offering you three years, nine million, but only three and a half of it is guaranteed. Do you go to the Raiders or do you stay with the Saints? This is the Scott Fujita dilemma. <laughs> Replicate. Well, no, because Scott Fujita got like nine million guaranteed. I don't think I don't think Zach Streif's gonna get more than like two or three guaranteed from the Saints or anybody else, right? So his Maybe. four million is guaranteed. Yeah, his, for, for the Saints, he gets two years, four and a half million, four million three three million of it's guaranteed. With oh, the Raiders, okay. he gets three years, nine and a half million, but let's say it's a million more guaranteed. Nah, I'd stay. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I know I know Zach likes it in New Orleans. He's been here a long time. He's comfortable with everybody. He's comfortable with the coaching staff. I mean, I, I think, I mean, me personally, you know, Zach's different. He, he's not married and he doesn't have a family. But um, and I think it's different if you have a family. But I mean, me personally, I mean, I would stay. <laughs> I, I'd see. <he's, laughs> I would. Um, I mean, I would stay just the hassle uh, of going to a new team and being a little uncomfortable and getting figuring things out. Um, and it it's the Raiders. Be, it's a hellhole. Yeah, I mean, it might not even be worth it to be honest with you. So, um, if if you were asking me my personal opinion, and I was actually, I'd, I'd probably stay. Is Dennis Allen still the coach of the Raiders? Yes, he is. As far I mean, as that's actually, that, that, he might actually try to lure him. Yeah, I mean it. I mean it, the. I don't know. Maybe your argument, Andrew. The more I think about it, teams with cap space, they're just like, ah, fuck it. Just give him, give him the extra million and a half. We gotta spend yeah. it anyway. 
I mean, like, look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins need a tackle so bad. The Dolphins, the Dolphins need, they need five new linemen, Andrew. Right, exactly. So that's a team that's that funny could because offer three five more than he's worth. They could, oh, yeah, and you know what? Jeff Ireland does do stupid shit. Yep. They, All it they, takes is one, man. They throw around. You know what, Andrew? You've convinced me. So, Andrew... Name Zach Streif's contract that he gets from the Saints or another team. Uh, I mean, I'm sticking to three years, nine and a half million or right. more. I, I'm right. setting that. I, I'm setting that as the the over under, and I'm picking the over. Ooh. Yep. It could. You, you, okay. Dave, on a scale of one to ten, ten being totally stunned and. One being a little disappointed that Zach Streif left for that contract. What are the odds that he gets a contract from some team and you're just like, dude, I can't believe he got that contract. He's got to go for that. I would not be stunned by that by that happening. That would stun me very little. So I, I guess a, a, a one or a two, I guess, is my answer to that question. See, the thing that's uh, tough about this is if you lose Streif, I mean, the, Dave, you're right. They need to retain him. But even if they do retain him, a major issue with the Saints is depth. I mean, you look at yeah. when Streif went down. You look at when Jari Evans missed a couple games. I mean, that's when the offensive line was scary. I mean, Tim Lolito was just in completely over his head. Um, now, Charles Brown was a disaster left tackle, but and we're hoping Armstead is the answer, but um, what if he gets hurt? What if what if Streif gets hurt? I mean, then it's Bryce Harrison, and the Saints have nobody else. Yeah. Lito was their guys, Lolito. So they need to get some backup guys, even if they keep Streif. Lolito was, admittedly, he was worlds better against Atlanta. So give him give him that a little. Yeah, um, he did uh, I don't I don't I don't think a three year nine million dollar contract is is really. That absurd. That I mean, I, I think. I agree. No, I mean, I mean, that's three million dollars a year. He he made this year. He made his base was two and a quarter. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, if we're talking about him getting some outrageous deal, uh, that would probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of like five million dollars a year. Yeah. The thing well, that what, I, what, what did Bushrod get? I mean, I realize he went to the Pro Bowl. He's a left tackle. But what was his contract? Uh, I don't have that. This only goes back to to 2013. So I don't remember. Are you in front of a computer? Just Google German yeah. Bushrod contract. I'm doing that now. I want to say he got. Oh wait, which uh, five what year thirty six million. Okay, he got five thirty six. I mean twenty two sub- twenty two and a half guaranteed. Yeah. So subtract a couple years, and subtract about fifteen million. I mean that that's not out of the it's not out of the realm of possibility that Zach Streif would get. Four. Three three years, eighteen million, you know, with seven three, million three, three years, three three years, fifteen million maybe. Six I mean, million guaranteed. I mean, if you consider what German Bushrod got, he's not that good. Yeah, I mean, and we'll get into the. I feel like a team could do something really, really stupid and stunning with Brian De La Puente because they have elite centers like Alex Mack, and I could see a team like the Giants, who Dave had on his uh, his post, where they are like, we got to get a center, we got to get a center, and they don't get Alex Mack, and then they're like, well, shit, we got to get somebody, and they give De La Puente four and a half, five, six million dollars, and he's younger, so he could get like a four or five-year deal. Mm-hmm. You know? And then if you lose both of them... Then your offensive line, you're back. You're worse off than you were last year. And the whole thing of like one of the really good things, Andrew, about the playoffs last year was, well, the offensive line, if they can re-sign these guys, they were really good and really running the ball really well, especially in Philadelphia, even to a certain extent in Seattle. You felt really good about it. If you miss those two guys, then you're kind of in a you're kind of pigeonholed in the draft and free agency, and you're locked out with cap issues. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got to keep at least one of the two. I mean, they've got to keep one of the two. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, um, gun to your head. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Who Don't you of me. the two linemen do the Saints <laughs> keep? Do they keep both? Do they keep one? Do they keep none? Of Streif and BDP? 
Yeah. BDP. Forgot the um, BDLP. <laughs> um, I, I I think you sign Streif. I think if you have to let one of them walk, I think you let BD BDLP uh, walk. Well, that's obviously uh, the guy we would all keep, but I think realistically, Streif has a higher chance of leaving. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, either yeah. one could 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 definitely uh, could definitely get some offers from other teams. I mean, I just feel like it's probably easier to replace, or it's probably cheaper to replace a center than it is. I, I mean, one, I feel like tackle is more of an important position, and two, I guess I just feel like, um, you know, you can probably find uh, a serviceable center a lot easier than you would be able to find a, a starting um, tackle. Um, like we said earlier, like I wrote about earlier today, you know, Goodwin, Jonathan Goodwin, he's old. He, um, but he, he could potentially come back and, uh, and fill in, fill in the role at least just for a year since the saints are, I, I would consider in a, in a win now sort of mode, but um so if I had to pick those two, I'd, I'd pick Streif. I would, I would want to keep Streif. Andrew, how did Goodwin look at San Francisco? My concern with him was, is he Olin Krutz 2.0, where you get a guy and you think he can patch it up for a year and he just totally falls off a cliff? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, if you just look at how he's played the last – I mean, first of all, he, he was the starting center, hasn't missed a game in five years. And in the last five years, he's been the starting center on an NFC championship team four out of the last five years. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that that's the quality offensive lines he's playing on. And, I mean, he's surrounded by good players, but he is more than holding his own. I mean, he is – he's still healthy. He's playing well. He feels good. And, um, you know, he feels like he could play for another year or two. But uh, I think he's going to be picky about where he goes. Yeah, and um, – and so. centers can play a long time. I mean, like elite centers like Kevin Maway and Jeff, even Jeff Saturday to a certain extent. I mean, you can play till you're 37, 38, you know? Yeah, Bruce Matthews was another one. Yeah. I mean, the good one is strong. He's healthy. So, I mean, you know, obviously things can change on a dime, of course, and it's just harder to recover as you get older. But, uh, you know, I, he, he's played with next to Jari Evans for a long time, so uh, there'd be some continuity there. If if the Saints lose BDL, BDLP, um, that that's probably the first guy I would call, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's different than 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 the Olin Krutz thing too, because you know, I mean, there is that history there. I mean, if I remember correctly, there were some issues with 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 snaps and that kind of stuff with Olin Krutz, like in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that's the difference between bringing Good, Goody back and uh, and signing Olin Krutz. I mean, Olin Krutz was a total outsider um, and was with Chicago for like what his whole career. Um, whereas uh, Goodwin, I mean, obviously he was here. He knows Drew. He knows the offensive line. He knows the coach. He knows, I'm sure, mostly what they're doing out there. So, I mean, I just think that transition would be a lot easier and, um, coming to New Orleans. And didn't they didn't they sign Crutes during training camp? Mm, I don't remember. Because I, I feel like they they, they, signed, they signed him late in the game. Yeah. Because Matt Tennant, they had drafted him. They moved up to get him, and he was just a total whiff. And he was the he was the guy that was going to you know they had drafted him and he was he was in the wings when mm-hmm. when Goodwin left and he was just a total whiff of a draft pick and they were kind of de- I mean they were desperate um, but I mean we'll we'll see it, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting because I, Andrew I just I'm not sure I'm not I, I mean he I know signed you're, him August fifth. Obviously, yeah. So, yeah, that's during training camp. Um, I feel like these guys. I'm not. You could lay out any scenario, Andrew, for either for Dela Puente or Zach Streif, and I could believe it. Like I, I'm not certain of their values. Where like with Carl Nix and certain guys, even Goodwin, you you knew that they were gonna get either a super deal or a really, really decent deal. These guys, I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not sold either way. I could see I could see the Saints getting them both, and I could see them both getting contracts where you're like, God damn it, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Streif, if you if you're 
basing it off tape, you know, if you're basing it off performance and how these guys played, I mean, I, I think in a contract year, Streif could not have done himself any more of a service with how he played for being healthy for the entire season, save maybe a game. Um, I, I just think if, if people are evaluating him based on his tape for the last year, then he, he's going to command a nice contract. Uh, De La Puente it was a lot more up and down. So I, I just feel like he's got youth yeah. on his side, but there's more unknowns with him. Yeah. All right. We got a couple of Twitter questions. Uh, so Dave, I'll, I'll shoot this one at you. This is from Scott. Any chance we re-sign any of the defensive players we previously cut at a steep discount? Um, yeah, you know, uh, Jr. our writer Jr. was was saying that he th- was thinking maybe they would re-sign Jabari Greer later, uh, later in the game. Mm, I don't think they signed Vilma. I think he's done. Uh, Will Smith, he's done. Uh, Jabari Greer. I, I I don't even know if Jabari Greer is ever going to play another down in the NFL. Um, I, I would say if there's anybody, you know, maybe Roman Harper. Maybe Roman Harper would come back um, for a discount. Um, out of any of those guys, I, I guess he'd be my pick. Andrew, I think Harper most likely is going to be in camp with someone. Um, so I, I my pick would actually be. Greer because I think Greer may go through this free agency period without a contract um, because he got injured so late in the season and uh, you know if his rehab is progressing pretty well I think the Saints will keep tabs on him and I think kind of similar to the Mike McKenzie situation you know if something if they just get so depleted at corner and and, you know the the dominoes fall in line and you know the, the stars align and it's week seven and Jabari Greer is just getting healthy and they need a corner desperately, then, you know, I could see him coming back. Um, but yeah, so beyond that, I think I agree with Dave. The other guys, I don't see them coming back. Here's a question from Super Deform. This one's for me. Uh, Saints forecast, who would win in a fight, your wife or Kenny Vaccaro? Uh, my wife right now is so hopped up on fertility drugs. You catch her on the wrong day, she will fucking bury you. And so, Vaccaro's still in a boot, right? Yeah, and he's in a boot. So she and she she fights dirty. So she she would totally go at the boot. She has she has she has no qualms about doing whatever it takes to get out alive. That's how she she just gave me the death stare. But that's how she rolls. Um, another question from Super Deformed, uh, Andrew: Is there any reason to watch a Pelicans game? <laughs> unfortunately i watch most of them um and i can tell you from watching most of them that it's torture it's painful um it, it, it it's a real solid self-loathing exercise <laughs> i didn't buy um, that i ended up not buying the league pass i, I did and I, I watch way too much but uh you know it's a little more depressing every game um it feels like so uh, I'm going to go with a resounding no uh, on that one. Super deformed. I suffer through this so that you don't have to. <laughs> you know, the Pelicans, from what I, everything I read, their defense is fucking terrible. Terrible. They're injured. Um, yep. and, and I'm starting to wonder, like, the problem they have is if they can't move Eric Gordon, I hope maybe they could pawn him off to the Bobcats or something. I'm worried that they're going to be stuck in just being shitty, and in two years they're still going to be shitty, and Anthony Davis is going to be like, I've been here four years. You guys suck. I'm leaving. Oh, you mean the Chris Paul factor? Even right. worse than Chris Paul because at least Chris Paul, you could be like, Chris, we, we kind of win. Hang around. We can fix it, and, and they had one playoff series. Like Anthony Davis, they haven't done anywhere near that. So – you know, yep. and, and what ha- what happens if Anthony Davis leaves and they're still I mean, not winning? I mean, then they just close it up and not have basketball in New Orleans at that point. I mean, so I'm kind of worried for for the Hornets, but Dave, this Pelicans. is from, the Pelicans. Zap me, okay, Dave. This is from uh, Reverend <laughs> Varge Vargas. Oh yeah. Uh, Popeyes won one playoff game and lost another. What to think of its 500 win percentage? <laughs> I love that question. 
Um, you know, I'd say it's it's like the black pants. I don't think there's actually anything to it. Um, I don't think the the team should uh, rely on Popeyes uh, to 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 get their wins. Um, it's definitely the green Gatorade. It's not the Popeyes. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I love I love the Twitter questions we get. Um, I got a couple too. All right, fire a couple, Dave. Well, I got a good one from Ryan Berger at Boat Rich. Um, I think Andrew might like this question since I saw him popping off at the mouth this morning. He Ryan wants to know if you were to visit Roddy White in jail, what would you <laughs> say to him with a set of prison bars between the two of you? <laughs> so I'm, I'll let Andrew answer that one because Andrew was quite quite pleased this morning when he found out Roddy White went to jail, even though it was for like 45 minutes, and he had like he had a 167 dollar bond. <laughs> you know what I would do is I would look at Roddy with a straight face, bring my phone in, log into Twitter, and just read all of his trolling mentions one by one with a straight face <laughs> and look at <laughs> him in the eye. And then I would go back and I would pull up all archive, archive of all his old tweets, um, all of his nonsensical ones, and read them back to him and say, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, here's one. Dave, this one is a good one. This is from Alfredo. Uh, which Saint player could be in the Winter Olympics and what sport would they do? <laughs> Will you ask that one again? What Saints player could be in the Winter Olympics and oh. what sport would they do? Oh, man. Every Breeze, right? Breeze knows how to do every sport. Man. I don't know. You saw Kenny Stills in that dress. He might be a good uh, figure skater. Answers Rob Ryan curling. <laughs> Rob Ryan curling. I was like thinking like along the lines of like Jimmy Graham. He could do like a the ski jump or something. Could, I don't know. You could put Jimmy Graham as the guy who pushes the bobsled. <laughs> uh, no, I'm still sticking with my Kenny Stills as a figure skater. I, I think he's got a couple of twizzles in him. Twizzles, Andrew. I'm gonna say Kenny Stills as well, but for the women's hockey team. As a ringer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Um, I think I think that is the last. You guys remember the Mighty Ducks, that guy that would skate really, really fast, but he couldn't stop and he would always fall down? Oh, yeah. yeah Espinoza. Yeah, Espinoza. That, Kenny Stills would be the Espinoza of the women's team. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Let's – We'll wrap this up on uh, not as fun a note as um, the the Darren Sharper stuff, Andrew. He's like just... Dexter. <laughs> I don't even watch Dexter, but I just assume that what Darren Sharper is doing is like Dexter. Yeah, no, Dexter is one of my favorite shows, and it's actually an interesting comparison. Um, <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> no, you did nail it, Dave. I'm going to put that in the recap. Uh, but – um, you know, the thing is, you know, David mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you know, we don't know. It could be a one off thing. The women are always you never know. Let's give him better for that. Andrew, now it's he's got enough ambient and morphine to take down a horse. Um, <laughs> it's multiple states. It's multiple women. Um, however, this turns out um, the damage has been done to his his. Uh, don't forget to say allegedly persona. here. Allegedly. On, yeah, we, we know saints like to file defamation suits. They do, allegedly. But so, but whatever happens, and whatever allegedly happened, Andrew, how does this affect your memory of 2009 and your memory of Darren Sharper? Well, if you read the uh, piece that I did on Saints Nation, um, you know, I, I I think the first things first, I root for the emblem. You know, that that's the bottom line is the team is above. Drew Brees, it's above um, any player that will come and that will go. Um, and look, I'm not naive enough to, to think that these guys aren't in their early 20s with millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, on some level, when they want to blow off some steam, um, they're they're going to cut up, you know. So I, I'm not expecting model citizens out of the Saints. And, you know, hey, it's a nice luxury to have. So a lot of these guys behave really well. Brees. I mean, all these guys that were just cut, 
were for the most part model citizens in, in New Orleans and um, a lot of guys on the team now, Jed Collins, Thomas Morstead. I mean, I could run down the list of, of all the players that I think are high ca- character guys, but yeah. um, but that's not a requirement for me. The requirement is is the performance on the field, and that's what I care about. That's my entertainment. That's what I root for. So um, all that being said, I think I draw the line a little bit with Sharper because um, of the extent of what it is. This isn't just some young kid making a mistake. I mean, this is a calculated, cold-blooded, if it's true. you know, It's dark. It, it, it's if, dark if it stuff. All, yeah, it's dark stuff. And so um, that crosses the line a little bit for me. And um, I'm not going to lie. When I see him, highlights of him um, f- from that 2009 season, it's uh, it'll be in the back of my mind a little bit. You know, I'll see that and I'll be like, ooh, Darren Sharper. But look, I mean, I'm really glad, and I've said this a number of times now, I'm really glad that Tracy Porter's the hero. Yeah. Um, because I think God. on some level, if I had to watch the Super Bowl again, if I had to watch the pick six and it was Darren Sharper instead of Tracy Porter, it wouldn't so much be that it would ruin it for me, but I would always be thinking, like, what is everyone else thinking about yeah. it? You know, and, and what, how, how does everyone else judge this title now that it's, some awful human being doing this. Um, so, you know, I mean, look, it's never going to take away from the title. If Greg Williams can't ruin it, Darren Sharper isn't either. Um, actually, Darren Sharper's worse than Greg Williams. If if what happened is true, but yeah, Dar- Greg Williams, that doesn't it doesn't taint it for me at all. Not, but, no, but, but I'm just saying ne- neither of those guys are going to take away the the moment, you know, which was the exhilaration of winning a Super Bowl after all those years of rooting for. A, a team that struggled with a previous generation that was constantly telling you same old saints, same old saints. So, I mean, that, that was just huge and no one will ever be able to take away the moment of, of them winning and ho- hoisting that trophy. Um, but on some level um, it, it does, it does maybe, you know, and, and like I said, I'm glad that I didn't really feel like he was a huge part of the playoff run. Yeah. Dave, does it, does, I mean, to me, one of the, just saying Darren Sharper 2009 was one of those magical things that you could say to any Saints fan, and, and you were like, oh, that was, that was fucking awesome. Like lightning in a bottle, man. Yeah. So, Dave, does it, does it, now is that sort of for that, not the championship itself, but Darren Sharper in 09, it's forever tainted. I mean, I feel like he, for even though he was only with the Saints for two years, I felt like he was one of the most beloved Saints players, and he was going to get, I thought he was going to get in the Saints Hall of Fame based on 09 and that's all gone so my feeling of him when you say Darren Sharper 2009 instead of the warm and fuzzy feeling now I'm like ugh do you have that same feeling and will it last forever into eternity is Dave gone he is Dave is gone Andrew yeah well (laughs) he was so disgusted he had to hang up he did um I will try to re. I will try to call him back as we. Uh, I don't as, know what happened now. Uh, oh, there he is. There he is, Dave. Does Darren Sharper his his 2009 season is one of the favorite things of Saints fans. They mention if you talk to him all the time, it was mad. It was it was a really magical part of a magical year. Is that just? I mean, almost real, where you real don't even... quick to cut you off, Ralph, and sorry yeah. to do it. I mean, the thing that's amazing about it. And I, you know, to set it up for Dave is he was he he's canonized, or at least he was before this all happened in history of Saints as one of the greats. I really feel like, and he he was able to accomplish that in basically a season. I mean, I know he played like half a season after that and didn't really do much, but I don't think any Saints player in history has able in in such a short amount of time has been able to kind of put himself up there with the all-time greats of the team. He might be on the Mount Rushmore of awesome Saints seasons individually. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, Dave, so Dave yeah, does, but he doesn't make – I mean, he, he was only with the team for two years, and only one of those seasons was was great or incredible. So, I mean, almost know, I, defensive MVP quality, though. Yeah, but I don't think that, that, I don't think that, that puts him in the Saints Hall of Fame. I mean, I think you got to be with the team for a significant amount of time, but – I mean, to answer Ralph's original question, you know, like Andrew said, I care more about what happens on the field. Um, that's what we're all paying to see. That's why we're all watching this, and that's why we all pay attention. 
uh, it doesn't change anything about 2009, about the Super Bowl, about the season. I mean, does it change my opinion of, of, about the person? Well, of course it does. Um, but uh, and and of course, allegedly, you know, this, this, <laughs> he also <laughs> might have had a shot at Canton too. Allegedly. You know? Yeah, and and again, I don't know if this hurts his shot at Canton too. I guess I guess it does. I guess they're going to be taking into the account into account whether you're a serial rapist or not. But um, <laughs> and, well, Allegedly. I mean, and, well, I mean, but let's I mean, let's be frank here. I mean, if if all this stuff is true, he's legitimately a serial rapist. If you're talking about multiple multiple women in multiple states, and you're talking about using drugs and all that kind and of stuff, ten, I mean, it's. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's very disturbing. It is very dark, um, all of which you guys said. But, um, you know, it is it is what it is. There, I, I, there are a lot of things. I mean, I mean, I don't think anything really takes anything away from what OJ did on the field when he played. I think everybody just looks at OJ as just one ridiculous, fucked up dude uh, who made a lot of terrible, terrible decisions later in his life. But I, I don't think anybody looks back on OJ's career and says, "Wow, well." He wasn't nearly as good because he wound up killing two people. Uh, Allegedly. You know. He's uh, looking okay. for the real killers. Well, he's not anymore because he's in jail, mm-hmm. but he was. He was his son. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, I mean, what happens on the field happens on the field. Uh, but and- Dave, so the, the question is, I mean, it, uh, what I'm curious is if Tracy Porter is Darren Sharper, if he kind of cements that season that he had as close to defensive MVP of, of the league with – the Super Bowl. Well, let's say he does the the Minnesota game pick um, against Brett Favre, and then he does the run back. Let's right. say all of that is sharper instead of Tracy Porter. You still feel the same way, or does that change things? I mean, I still feel the same way about the season, and I still feel the same way um, about 2009 and about the Saints. But um, yeah, I suppose, like you said, when you're watching it. It, it it's there in the back of your mind, and if that was and if that was the case, and if the roles were reversed, and Darren Sharper was the hero of both those games, it I mean, changed I would, it a lot for me. It would I mean, I would still I would still love it. I would still be so happy that the Saints won the Super Bowl, but at the same time, it'd be like, yeah, like oh, that's that that guy raped a bunch I, of people. I would enjoy I would enjoy Allegedly. it when they played Super Bowl highlights. Like they did this past year, and I just sat and watched, and it was awesome for 30 minutes. Uh, if if it was Darren Sharper making the Tracy Porter plays, I think I would enjoy it 30% less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I, and I don't want. I'm not taking anything away from uh, rape or rape victims or the seriousness of rape, but but I have a problem if. Let's say Tracy um, was found guilty of of the former drugs in 2009. Um, those off the field actions directly act what happens. Dave's turned into a drive-through. <laughs> so that, that that would taint me. No, I mean, that would taint it for me. If I was watching Highlight Tracy Porter meeting that interception and that mind, and, and there were two scenarios, one would be, oh, he raped a bunch of people, or one was, oh, he took performance-enhancing drugs. The performance-enhancing drugs, drugs would would diminish my enjoyment of that moment. That's because I would know that it's not, it's 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 not fair. I wouldn't give a shit about performance enhancing <laughs> yeah, drugs. Yeah, me neither. I don't care. I, they all do it. I mean, Darren Sharp. For me, the serial rapist scenario is much worse than being much worse. Much worse. Much worse. My assumption is every player in the but NFL the is doing something illegal. I mean, when you think about, about Ray, Ray Lewis's legacy, what, what what do people think about with him? Is it more the murder thing or is it more the deer antler spray thing? It's the murder thing. Yeah. No, that is true. Um, all right, well, that wraps it up. Thanks to everybody on Twitter. I mean, we were talking about who I wanted to hang out with after the game. <laughs> Thanks for... He's still trying to talk. I know. I'm trying to make a point. I want to make a point. Well, you need to fix your audio if you want to make a point, pal. If we would hang out with Trey in that situation, Dave, 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 your audio sucks, man. It's like you're driving in the tunnel. Not even. What the hell? It like fades. It like it, it's like perfect, and then it's gone. Perfect. We haven't, and then it's gone. We haven't understood you for a good five minutes. 
Oh, but it's the it's the it wouldn't be the off season without technical difficulties. <laughs> so, this is the perfect segue to tell people to donate, right? Yeah, this is where do, people donate so the audio can be good and I can buy a new headset because I the one I'm wearing is cracked in half. Or more importantly, buy Dave a headset. Yeah, Dave a headset and a microphone, and we can get Kevin his horse steroids. And since he's out with a lady friend, maybe you know we can get him like I one of those uh, box of chocolates for the ladies or something. Yeah. I thought Noel was wrestling. <laughs> um, right, Dave, Dave, are you are you operable again? I don't know. Am I? You tell me. You he is operable again. Okay. So um, make your make your point. You said you wanted to hang out with Tracy Porter. No, my my point my point was is that if if if. If in that given scenario, this whole thing is gone now. But I mean, if in that given scenario, if Tracy Porter was either a rapist or a drug or a, a PED user, obviously, when it comes to off the field stuff, I don't mind hanging out with the PED user, but I don't want to hang out with a rapist. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, obviously. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just. I just want to. I just want to hammer that point home. That you know. That's con- that's, that's that's a controversial opinion, Dave. That is <laughs> controversial. I think most would pick the rapist. <laughs> so, um, before we get out of here, uh, Andrew, go to saintsnation.com. Andrew's got wonderful stuff, and he'll drop just a fantastic column. You've got to go there every day because he might drop 800 awesome words about the Darren Sharper case on you. you got to go there. you got to go to Canal Street Chronicles because Dave's got the whole offseason broken down, and he's letting crazy people write for him now, um, which is always fun. Oh, oh, I, I didn't yeah. know he let Murph back. No, he didn't. No. Let him. no. <laughs> Murph. Zing. Troll-tastic. Hey, Dave. Um, yes. You, uh, you know you did your what up with that. You were looking for questions. Uh-huh. I didn't get a chance to read. Did, did you include my two-lane question, my awesome two-lane question? No, I, I didn't uh, get a two-lane question. Did you, you, might, you might have submitted it after I even answered them. Uh, no, I submitted it on Twitter. I, th- I believe the oh, question was, who has a better chance of making the 53-man roster next year on the Saints? <sighs> and I, I believe the five names I gave were, um, let's see, Ryan Griffin, Ryan Grant, uh, I don't know, some other current player. Then I put Chance Miller and then maybe like P.J. Franklin or something. Oh, Ger- <laughs> Ger- Ger- Gerald Honeycutt was my fifth pick. A Gerald Honeycutt. Um, Ryan Griffin, obviously. Ryan Griffin already made the team last year. I think I think the Saints like him, uh, so I, I would pick him. Backup quarterback. I plan on betting the Saints in the second half of a lot of preseason games based on Ryan Grant, Ryan Griffin because <laughs> I'm a degenerate gambler, and that's what I do. Nice. <laughs> so um, for Andrew, for Dave, for Kevin, who's too good for us, because he's chasing tail and powerbombing people. Uh, I'm Ralph Marlboro, and since Kevin's not here, there's no water to take us out. So, uh, so long uh, until next week. There it is! We have water! Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. 
Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.